right, it's good to see all of the, all of you that have been able to make it out this morning. And uh, we are, first of all, let me say it this way. He is risen. I don't know how many of you have ever heard that before, but uh, in ancient times, they would greet one another by saying those words, He is risen. And uh, the response was, He is risen indeed. And so it was one of the ways, instead of just saying hello, they made it a very special welcome to each and every one. We're going to be looking at the importance of images today, uh, and I want us to take our Bibles, and we're going to go again back to the book of Revelation, chapter 5. And in Revelation, chapter 5, we want to take a look at the uh, message that we've already been looking at today uh, in regards to the Lord and when heaven opens up for us to see. And then we're going to get into the different images to take a look at the different things that are there. Now, we looked at last time we were together, we started chapter 4 together, and we looked at that to see some of the images that are there. But uh, I don't know how great your imagination is, so I'm going to try to aid that as well. But let's read chapter 5 together, a little bit of it at least. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written, writ within, and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book, and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven, nor in earth, nor under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because, I, because no man was found worthy to open and read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, hath prevailed to open the book, and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth to the earth. And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lord, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou hast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hath made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and as are seen in the sea, and all that them heard I say, Blessing and honoring and glory and power be unto him that sit upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Let us pray. Again, Father, I want to thank you for the word of God that you have before us and the opportunity to uh, stand before the congregation of your people and to uh, present the message that you have laid upon my heart today. Again, Lord, I thank you for the many things that you teach us and the things that you show us every hour, every moment. And yet, Lord, we take for granted. And yet, I pray that we would 
take the things that we see today, that we would meditate upon them, and that you will guide and bless, and that you will help us in all that we say and do. So lead us, bless us in this day, may we be used of you in a powerful and a mighty way, for it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to open this, and again, I put the notes in the very back, and it says, the images presented here are truly remarkable ones. Now, let me just say this. When you read chapter 4 and chapter 5, this is just the beginning of what we're seeing. You, you have the heavenly presence. And when you look at the heavenly presence, you see so much that even John, as he's writing these things down, this is what he saw. This is what he was commanded to write because he could see it for himself. And yet, our minds are not capable of complete capture of what I'm talking about today. Let me give you an example of what I'm speaking about. Let's take, our, you know, let's take our images, and you can see that I gave you copies of these images also for us to take a look at. And the first one is like the six days of creation. How many of us can really imagine what the six days of creation were like? Now, it's interesting, Greg and Carla and I were uh, sitting down talking yesterday, and uh, they had met a couple when they were on vacation, and this uh, couple uh, were drawn to them because they made reference to creation, you know, the beauty of creation that we can see there as well. And, you know, when you think about it, all the sea creatures, all of the different uh, things that we, we notice about heaven, you know, and then also about earth beneath, there's just so much that we still don't see. And it's amazing to me that, you know, when, the, when you go snorkeling, and, and I'm not one that's, I'm not a powerful snorkeler, but when you go down and you see all these fish that are there, you know, and, and the different looks of those fish, that's got to be pretty amazing, you know, to be able to observe that and to look at it. I've been on the lofty mountains, and, you know, when I go up into Colorado, it's amazing to me that there's cactus all the way up at 10,000, 11,000 feet. And to look at the cactus and go, what are you doing up here? Well, they survive on very little water. And lots of people don't realize that. Even up in the mountains, you don't have a lot of water. They even have fire restrictions with two or three feet of snow because everything is so dry when you're up in the mountains. But I looked at creation, and, and think about this, is that in those six days, you see how that God formed out of nothing the, the earth and how that it was without form and void and, and then it was carried on into where that he created the firmaments the, the lower firmament the above firmament and the heavenly firmament as well then he added to the firmament after he had gathered the land together the vegetation by the way let me say this to you the image of what we see in the plan of God in six days of creation goes beyond the comprehension of man I mean, God could have spoken it, and it would have all happened all at once. That is the fact of the matter. But God baffled the wise men of this earth by doing one thing first, and that was planting trees. Now, do you realize that there is absolutely no connection between trees and human beings? No one has ever said that a man evolved from a tree. Yet, without that vegetation to produce carbon monoxide or to take in the carbon monoxide and to create oxygen so that we can breathe and have the richness of the breath that is there, there would be no life. Without the vegetation to provide us the food that we need, there would still be no life. The perfection of God's plan was that there would be, first of all, 
the trees upon the earth and the exchange of, if you will, of gases, one that is poisonous but not to the trees and it would emit the, the gas that would give us life. Then we have the time, you know, when the stars and the great light and the lesser light and, and the, the, the vantage point. And, and it's amazing to me how many times people want to argue their puny little mind about even where it goes back into the, the, the lights and the spectrum of lights. It's interesting to me that uh, a lot of people don't realize this, that the three men that were killed in what we call the Apollo 1 uh, capsule, that Apollo 1 capsule was literally one to where that just before the fire had broke out, one of the astronauts had used the name of the Lord in, in vain, and immediately there was a flame that killed the three gentlemen. Immediately. And a lot of people don't even know that, but it, uh, I just recently discovered that myself. Later on, with Apollo 9, as they circled the moon, if you recall, they made the, the, the prayer offering. Because that's when, uh, what, what's her name, got all upset because they would read from the Bible and they would talk about the creation that occurred at that moment. I bring all this up to you because the great creation account goes beyond our imaginations. Everything about the creation account goes beyond our imagination. Look at the next one as well. The next account that we see, or the next slide, is the Great Flood. Do you realize even now, and I, and I will tell you that evolutionists will give you a little bit. They will say, well, we, we believe in the great local flood. No, 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 it's not a great local flood. It was a great global flood. And so when you think about it, every mountain was covered, every place was covered, and I mean, there's so many images that are there. And of course, this is the latest one that comes from the Answers in Genesis team, uh, to where they put a keel on it, they put the, uh, the, that vast unit in the very back to help to guide it through winds and waves. But no matter how you look at it, the flood even then goes beyond the imagination of an individual. That God would say, I'm going to be the preserver of all of those that are in the ark. You see, yes, Noah followed the Lord's plan exactly as it had to be followed in preserving all the land creatures and all of human beings in that ark. But it was the sustaining hand of God that saved Noah. There's an interesting verse over in Second Peter where it says, And we, or just as Noah was saved by water, was Noah saved by water? As long as he was in the ark, he was. But at the same time, all of those that were outside of the ark were destroyed by the same water. The same thing is also interesting to me. Water is always referred to as the word of God. Do you realize it is the word of God that saves us, but it shall be the word of God that will judge those that have refused Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Same extent. Next, for, next uh, slide, if you will. Also think about the crossing of the Red Sea. I love this particular picture. There's many others that are out there. Uh, one of them showed that the, the children of Israel were struggling through the water. It says that they went across on dry land. They didn't go through mud. They didn't go through the, the difficulties. Probably one of the best images I saw was a cartoon image. And on this side was this great wall of water. And here was a whale. It was their first aquarium. I thought that was so cool to be able to see even a whale go through that. And the fishes and things of this nature. And yet they marched through on dry ground. It took great faith of the individuals to march through that dry ground, even though they watched as God parted the waters. 
but it also was great faith in which once they got to the other side, the waters collapsed upon the enemy to be seen no more. And think about the image that is here, even with the Red Sea. <clears throat> when we see this image, how many of us have ever thought, and I even asked this per question of an, a person that was an all-millennial. I said, so you take the book of Revelation figuratively, right? He said, yes, I do. I said, then that means the rest of the Bible was figurative. I said, so the book of Genesis, chapters 1 and 2, when it speaks of the creation, was that figurative or was that literal? Well, I guess it was literal. I said, the crossing of the sea, was it literal or was it figurative? And he was surrounded by other men of, of like, like ilk. And he said, well, I guess it was figurative. Man, they, they all started shaking their head. No, 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 that really happened. I said, if it really happened, as it said, then you better believe it's going to happen in the book of Revelation. That includes Jesus being crucified on the cross. It literally happened that Jesus was buried. It literally happened that Jesus rose again, as we will see a little bit later. It actually happened. Those things are preludes of what we're seeing in the book of Revelation. If the rest of the Bible is true, and Revelation is a part of the Bible, then these things must happen. When it says in Zechariah, they shall look on him whom they pierced, then that means that they're going to see with their eyes, not in heaven's glory, on this earth, they're going to see the resurrected Jesus Christ. So let's take a look at the next slide. The next slide that we take a look at, oh, I love this image. I remember the first time that I ever had the sermon of the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how that they were cast in the burning, fiery furnace. And when Nebuchadnezzar appeared in to the flames, the great flames that consumed the very soldiers that would cast in the three Hebrew children, he said, did we not cast in three men? But I see four, and the fourth is like unto the Son of God. We don't know what Jesus looked like that would make him say that, but he understood that of the four people, one of them did not belong. And it makes me think about what David said, if I make my bed in hell, thou art with me. Isn't that amazing? That no matter where we are at, the Lord Jesus Christ shall be with us. I don't have to worry about making my bed in hell because he has resurrected me. I am promised eternal life and I have it now from the moment that I believed. The next one that we take a look at. Uh, and these are so important. But this is the first one. I remember that I had a young man one time, and I, I have a different image of this, and it was in pencil drawing. I said, I want you to take and draw what you see in Revelation 1.18. Let's take a look at that, if you will. Back up to Revelation chapter 1. Of course, I said the verse 18. I do apologize for that. Look at verse 12. And I turned to see the voice that spake unto me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Okay, there's the seven golden candlesticks that are there. Uh, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, meaning Jesus, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girded about the paths with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, and, his, and, uh, and white as snow, and his eyes were a flame of fire. Pretty, pretty good imagery there, if you will. And his feet were like fine brass, and they burned as a furnace, and his voice sounded as many waters. This has already happened. This has already happened. This is what the Apostle John saw 
as he turned to look upon Jesus Christ. That is not figurative. That's literal. And the thing is, John saw At the very I am the first and the last. It would be very scary to see Jesus Christ in his true glory. Now I want you to get that. If we looked upon Jesus in his true glory, we would be very much amazed. And yet, because we belong to him, you know, just as we, we sing and just as we speak, just as much as we saw in Revelation chapter 5, where it says we've been made kings and priests. He's not going to destroy us. He's going to elevate us. Also, a millennial, he goes, how can Jesus elevate us? I said, what? You see, here's the problem. There now waits for me a crown of righteousness. Not only for me, but all his appearance. I shall rejoice in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. There awaits for me a crown of righteousness. The next image that we see beyond this one, and this is the one that really amazes me. I, I, again, artist conceptions cannot pay enough tribute to what heaven is going to be like. How many of y'all have ever dreamed about heaven? If you have ever dreamed about the pearly gates, you weren't dreaming about heaven. If you were dreaming about the streets of gold, you weren't dreaming about heaven. There's something more about heaven. The colorfulness, the beauty of it. My own particular thing about heaven is I love to sing. Brother Randy, we, we, we both love to sing. Can you imagine the sopranos over here? The altos over here? The baritones over here? The basses over here? The tenors over there? And everyone in between. And there's suddenly this heavenly melody that comes from millions of voices raised up in praise to God. Do I see that? Absolutely. Can I hear it? I wish I could. I've heard images of it. You said, that's, that doesn't make sense. I can only imagine. But I want you to look what it says here. First of all, let, let's go back to Revelation chapter 4. And I want to show you the image that we see with this uh, as well. In verse 2, And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne that was set in heaven, and one set on the throne. Can you see in the midst of this image the one that's sitting on the throne? He's so holy... He's so righteous that we can't even imagine the glory of God. I'm so glad that someone didn't try to uh, draw out God because it would be impossible. It would be impossible to really draw out who God is. Even the Lord God said, I cannot show you 
And no man can look upon me, Moses, and live. No man can look, can look upon me and live. There's a cleft of the rock. And I will hide you behind the cleft. I will put my hand on you. And when I remove my hand, you'll see my hinder parts. Do you realize the hinder or the hinder parts of Christ was enough to cause Moses to shine? Let this sink in for a second. We cannot look at the glory of God in this human flesh. This flesh would perish at the very sight of God. But the day shall come when we can stand in His glory and look upon Him because we will now be righteous through and through. I no longer will have to deal with the deeds of the flesh. I will no longer have to deal with how I feel about certain things. I will know the ultimate truth. I will hear truth and I will know to me immediately. I will no longer have to battle evil. Do you realize that? And I thought about this as well. When Eve faced sin for the first time, she was ill to handle evil. Adam was ill to handle evil. Because of the sins of this flesh, when evil comes at me, I'm ready to take it. How many of us have been that way? And do you realize that Satan studies us every day, or one of his minions, and he knows exactly where you will fall and where you, cr and where you will crumble because of sin's nature. It won't take... I, I remember this many years ago. I, I, I had just taken the pastorate in California. And in the congregation, I didn't know this at the time, was Brother Arvinder. And Brother Arvinder was with the FBI. Well, they were playing a game that was very much like, uh, you know, uh, slap, you know, I can name that tune or whatever. And they'd play the song on it, and man, you know, people would hit the button, whatever. And I got behind. I hate it when I get behind on anything. And I narrowed down my mind, and I decided I was going to start winning. And I tied the score. And after I tied the score, of course, I lost the game, which I was very disappointed. But I remember Brother Arvinder coming up to me, and he goes, you would be so easy to break. That bothered me. But do you realize sin makes me easy to break? when Satan knows my sin. It's not a light thing that we should pray, Father, help me to overcome. Hedge about me. Protect my eyes. Protect my hands. Protect my feet. Protect my mind. We should pray that with earnestness every day. Standing in the throne room of God, there's so many things. I, I love this where he is surrounded by that emerald light. Look what it says here as well. And he that was to look upon was like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in the sight like unto an emerald. You realize the rainbow we have is only partial. I wish that you could see the rainbow as I have flying at 32,000 feet and looking down on the rainbow. It's, it's, it's a unique experience because the, the sunshine not only shines upon the cloud to give us the images below, but from overhead it gives you the images above. That's why God could tell Noah, I see this rainbow. 
I put this rainbow in the sky, and it's a promise that I will never destroy the earth again by water. Not the earth, maybe locally, but never the earth. And you know, the reality is, is that when we see this rainbow, it's not only the promise of God, it's the fulfillment of God. It's an emerald rainbow. Oh, let me tell you what. Heaven above, earth beneath, there is only one God. You know, what's interesting is how that the world wants to, wants to defame God. They want to destroy God. They want God to be old and gentlemanly and everything else. And yet, sitting upon this throne is the power of God. And that's the image that I see. Look at the, the four beasts that are there, full of wings. The seraphims. You know, you know, you have the head of the you have the head of, of the lion, the ox, the man, and the eagle. And yet they're full of eyes and they're full of wings. With two wings they cover their eyes. Two wings they cover their feet. And two wings they fly around the throne room, singing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. It's amazing to see that. There's the four and twenty elders. Many times I've had people say, who is that? Well, you have the four, you have the twelve of the Old Testament, twelve of the New Testament. Twelve apostles, and you have also the twelve ancient patriarchs out of, out of uh, Jacob's lineage. So, man, so much imagery. I wish I could just spend hours and hours looking upon this. But in chapter five is the most beautiful thing that we see overall. And it says in chapter 5 that there went a strong cry that went out. Look at verse 2. And I saw an angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy? Am I worthy? I'm not even worthy. I'm like John. I'm not even worthy to release the latchets off his shoes. Am I worthy? I'm not even worthy to kiss his feet. Am I worthy? I'm not even worthy to wash, my, wash his feet with the eyes of my tears. The worthiness of Christ is worthy. But when the cry goes out, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much. Why did he weep? I want you to see this with me. Hold your place here and let's go to the book of Genesis. Chapter 3. You see, here is something that's very important that most people fail to realize. What happens in the book of Genesis, the completion of Genesis must happen in this book. And Jesus Christ dying upon the cross of Calvary was the first aspect of the completion the final act of completion is found in the book of Revelation. But I want you to get this. In Revelation chapter 3, and let's go down to verse 22. And the Lord God, and the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us. Now why did God say man is like one of us? To know good and evil. Here's the thing. When God created man, he created man to understand good only. Do you realize that none of us here are able to handle bad or evil? I don't care who you think you are. I, I can stand up against it. Really? Let me ask you this. If we can stand against evil, and, and many people have, have done their dead level best, 
Where then is the sacrifice? Do you realize that if you say you're not a liar, you're a liar? And the truth does not bear in you? You know, it's interesting. I, I face this every day of my life. I face, I face murder. I face envy. I face lust. Every time I turn on the TV, I get so despondent. And I fear for my loved ones. I fear for friends. I remember one time I turned on the TV and there was a guy, because his girlfriend left him, went and was hunting her down and killed her family. I wish it was, you know, podunk somewhere else. But it was right here in Ohio, right near Ohio, in Lawrence County, Ohio. There was another man who was waiting at the old school and he, was, he had a rifle ready to kill his wife, girlfriend, whoever it was, who was a teacher at the high school. That is in our local area. Why can't we handle that? Because evil is ever on the rise. There is no And man is not able to handle the evil. Look what else it says. Let us put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. In other words, he cast out Adam and he cast out Eve. And he drove out man and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims. He did not just surround the tree of life. He surrounded the garden. God said, you can't come back here. This is my garden. This was my plan for you. And not only have you lost my plan, Adam, you're not able to bear your sins alone. And so the promise that was written in Genesis 3.15 was the promise of a Redeemer. Do you realize that Adam and Eve, at the moment that they had eaten of the fruit... The first conquest that they found was their eyes were opened. And for the first time, something inside of them changed. From that moment, from the beginning, they walked around naked, and it didn't bother them. They walked around and What do we see now? Innocence? Innocence? I dare say not. What we find is we're not able to handle the evil. I remember this is that, you know, uh, James Dobson many years ago wanted to sit down and talk with the one man who had created all these crimes. And I forget the name's man, but he said, why, why did you want to kill these women? He goes, when pornography wasn't enough. I went on my rampage. Sin will take us further. It will drag us down and it burns in your image. Do you realize the image of, of the first nudity you ever saw is burned in your mind? Don't you wish it was gone? Innocence is taken away. Don't you wish the innocence could be restored? We look at a, at a small child. Emily is so good about posting pictures of my, my Rachel and my Reed. 
and I wish I could just keep them at their age. They're sweet. They're loving. I need their tails spanked regularly. But do you realize that there was something that was not able, even in their age, they're not able to bear? You don't have to teach a child to lie. That child will come to you with a lie on their own. You don't have to teach that child to cheat. That child will cheat on their own. And why? Because they're fearful of retribution. And that goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. Did you eat of the fruit? Well, this one. She gave me an I hate. What did you do, woman? It was the serpent, Lord. It was that serpent that you created. And you know we've been blaming God ever since. And yet here is the perfect redeemer in Revelation chapter 5. Who is worthy? Who is worthy? And the thing that is so beautiful about this is that until those seals are broken, sin will maintain and keep. We will always have sin. We're going to be dismissed then from this point. It's now 10 till. Hey, buddy, let's go ahead and bow our heads and we'll pick up here next week. Let us pray. Father, again, thank you for your blessings. And I pray that you will guide us now and keep us in all things. For it's in Christ we pray. Amen. We're dismissed.